Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Become Fire podcast with your host, Father Peter Teresa, coming at you this Advent season with my dear brothers, my co-hosts, my men in arms, Father Anthony Tinker. Hello. And Brother Paul Grotman. Greetings. Greetings from Earth. Greetings from Earth. <laughs> or, or if you're in space listening to this. So Brother Paul switched chairs on us, mm. which I find very interesting because he is the only one who has to hold his microphone. He doesn't have a little like cool. Yeah, he doesn't have a mic stand. And he wants to get a mic stand, which we, we're in the middle of getting him one. I just don't know if he's going to be more like not happy because he has the mic stand. He has to actually lean forward a little bit now, or he's just going to keep holding that boom mic. arm's like three feet. dude. <laughs> yeah. I'll be fine. In yeah, my you can you can keep kind of lazy boy roller chair, dude. <laughs> you do have a very uh, you're leaned way. It's back. presidential the chair you're sitting in for sure, for sure. It it's looks dignified like it and comfy, <laughs> dignified and comfy. That is, I think that's just a good description for your person. Yes, yes. You're dignified and comfy person. Thank you. I think. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> Keep rolling with it. Yeah, well, you know, it means whatever you want it to mean. Yes. <laughs> well, wonderful. Uh, as I said in the beginning, we have now entered into the Advent season. We took a, a week off last week for Thanksgiving, so there was no episode last week. So thank you for tuning back in for our episode now as we kick off the Advent season. Advent's a little different this year. We'll probably only get three Advent episodes in because the fourth week of absent, uh, Advent is basically absent. <laughs> it doesn't really exist. Advent could not be any shorter. It than could not this. be any shorter. And for those of you who hate fasting, here you go. This is the shortest is, Advent yes. can possibly be. And yeah. in that, we rejoice. <laughs> <laughs> Advent's a season. Yeah, rejoice. until Christmas on a Monday comes and we're all suffering. Yeah. Well, the priest so. in particular. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So the fourth Sunday of Advent is December 24th. So Advent will literally last until Christmas About 14 Eve. hours. Christmas Eve until about 4 p.m. Yeah. So Advent, the fourth Sunday of Advent will be all of about yeah, 16, 14, 16 hours. And then we write into Christmas. So, Which does mean you have to fulfill your Sunday obligation. Yeah. And then also fulfill your Christmas obligation. Yes, you need to be going to Mass. For those Sunday night Masters out there, you cannot do a Sunday night Mass this fourth Sunday of Advent. You need to be going to Mass either Saturday night or Sunday morning before 4 o'clock. And then you can go Sunday evening at 4, after 4 p.m. after for a Christmas vigil or a Sunday morning Mass. It is an interesting question. I, I, I was I saw an article. I didn't, I didn't read it yet, but... Yeah, anyways, I don't want to get into those can of worms. Maybe we'll talk about that next episode about how to fulfill your obligation because there's a lot of ways you can skin that cat uh, on that weekend. Yes, but be, be, I'm going to say I encourage you, go to the fourth Sunday of Advent yes. Mass yes. and a Christmas Mass. Yes, that's, the sure, that's the sure That's way. the sure thing. That's You're the sure guaranteed. Yeah. We have epistemological certainty <laughs> that that will, <laughs> will fulfill, fulfill your Sunday your, obligation your and, your, and your Christmas obligation. For sure. So we are kicking off Advent. It's a short Advent, but we love it nonetheless. And one of the more beautiful traditions we have in Advent is our Advent wreath. Yes. Where we light a candle uh, every week of Advent. That fourth candle is going to get like no burn this year. You might want to rotate those candles around. So because that fourth candle is going to get very little burn. Do we know where it comes from, the Advent wreath? Do we know the history of that at all? We know it. We just don't know it off the top of our heads. Okay. 
Because I don't. I'm actually like, oh, it's kind of curious. Well, I, I mean, I do know because you're, you're going to get into this, but because we grew up, it, the, each light has a representation that the, the, the first light represents the light of the hope of the prophets. And I do know that as you light the candles, you think about the different, the whole, you know, Father, get in this, but the different things that you are concerned with. So I do know that these, each of those four candles have a, a particular representation as to what we should be meditating upon during the week of lighting that candle. Amen. But no, the whole history, I do not know offhand. Yeah, we just theologizing what was already there, or did the theology give birth to? The no, I think I think the I, I think the Advent wreath is is a Christian symbol. I don't I don't think we baptize anything like a Christmas tree or anything like that. I'm gonna that. guess it's more recent though, because I, I know Advent used to be a 40 day fast as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the making Advent only four weeks I, again. I don't know all the history. I, right. Things we should have looked up. Is a more recent Next episode. Yeah, more recent thing. So I'm assuming that the Advent wreath came along with the either. Okay. Um, we just. <laughs> we're done talking about ready. this. <laughs> that was the cue. <laughs> okay. We're moving on. <laughs> I have no idea what that beeping was, but here we are. Okay. So, but the the, the fact that maybe it was something like the O antiphons, like I'm like there's a time where like things stitch a little little yeah, harder. Yeah. Like maybe that was what happened in the in the longer Advent period. In the last four weeks, you shifted into high gear. But all that to say, the fact that Advent's a shorter time period is a more quote-unquote in church history recent development. For sure, for sure. Well, Father Anthony, despite that random, strange beeping, that was a beautiful segue into what we want to be talking about. We want to be talking about uh, this first Advent candle and the the theme of it, what it's leading us to, to think about, what it's leading us to meditate upon, which is the, the hope uh, of the prophets. Uh, and the prophecies that are given to us in the Old Testament about the coming of the Messiah and our hope for it, because that is what we're doing this Advent season. We're entering into that hope, uh, not so much for the coming of the Messiah, the, his first coming, you know, that, that has come and passed and so we celebrate at Christmas, but, but he's going to come again. And so we still have hope. We still have expectation. And so, Brother Paul, would you be so kind as we begin our meditation on hope to define for us what this wonderful virtue actually is. Yeah, so the theological virtue of hope is the power by which we desire the kingdom of heaven as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are hoping for the grace of the kingdom of heaven. Um, Amen. 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 And so <clears throat> that leads us then into, you know, the, these prophecies that we're talking about and, and probably the most poignant uh, and the most famous prophecy about the, the coming of the Messiah in some respect. We get from uh, very early on in the book of Isaiah, and this is Isaiah chapter 7, uh, verse 14. Uh, and Father Anthony, I'm going to read the verse and then maybe you could maybe just kind of situate uh, what is happening and, and what, what's being talked about. And so the prophet says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Um, so the context is um, the, basically we have the wicked kings of Israel. Isaiah is prophesying to the Israelite kings 
And this is a have or a has. I'm sorry, I forget. I get my my B. I I believe this is a has. Yeah, a has. That's what I thought. So we want a has a wicked king, one of the worst kings of Israel. And basically, Isaiah is like, all right, the Lord's going to give you a sign. Ask for whatever sign you want from God, and He'll give it to you. And and the issue at hand is, He says no. And this is an issue for a lot of reasons. One, because Mm. for all the times we've prayed for signs. Right here are the signs. Lord, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, Lord, if you're really there. But Ahaz is so wicked, he doesn't want to do what God wants. Hmm. His heart has become so hardened that he's like, I don't want a sign because I don't want, I want to keep doing what I want to do. Hmm. And, and a sign might shift me from that reality. So he says, and, but he, but he pi- makes it pious. It's like, oh, no, I won't tempt God. I won't ask for a sign. Um, and Isaiah's like, well, then God's going to give you a sign. <laughs> And here's the son. The virgin will be with child and bear a son. And he'll be named Emmanuel, God with us. And just to start with with that um, Ahaz and his reflections, um, and the reality of hope gets us out of selfishness. Hmm. And oftentimes we act like Ahaz. When when we want a sign on our good terms, because we want to know something, when God doesn't give us a sign, we get all, and then God's like, all right, I'll give you a sign. And we're like, oh, I don't really want a sign because we don't want to change. And oftentimes those signs are coming, but our hearts are hardened and saying, well, I like the party lifestyle living. I like, you know, the sin that I'm doing. And so I don't want to be confronted with a change because I don't want to change. And so the the reality of the light of the hope of the prophets, that the, 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 the Isaiah and the prophets stand for hope in the midst of a society. And if we read the, the Old Testament, we see like the prophets stand alone oftentimes mm. and most of the culture, most of the people are standing against what God wants or are leaning against like even Moses, the, you know, the, the whole people are moving towards worshiping a golden calf, including, you know, Aaron and Miriam and Moses is standing alone in the midst of it all with Joshua. So there's these difficult like times for the prophets and they have to stand in hope in the midst of this affliction, this difficulty, this struggle. And so their hope is all focused on this promise that the Lord makes, that he will come again, that the Messiah will come. I think on that note too, it's, it's important like what we put our hope in. Hmm. And so like one of the things with hope is that you have an expectation or like a desire for something, but like with the expectation that you'll actually be able to receive it. And so kind of just, if I could hope all I want to, to be seven, four, <laughs> but there's no way that that will actually happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost an irresponsible hope. Um, that's something just beyond my power, but that's why when we talk about like the virtue, the theological virtue of hope, tying in with Isaiah, that we have this hope for a Messiah who will then bring about like a reordering of our interior life. And that with that as well, that we can also have an assurance of our hope because of the one who gives us the assurance who is Christ himself. So we can be certain um, that what God promises through his word, through through the tradition we received in, in the church, um, that what God promises will come to be. Um, and so you can be assured in that, that it is really something to hope for. And fundamentally that our hope is that we would receive eternal life, that fundamentally the virtue of hope um, is to actually be like fulfilled. And that'll be in our union with Christ uh, and beatitude. And then for not only for ourselves, but also for the ones that we love. Amen. What? So the the prophet prophesies that this child shall be called Emmanuel, uh, and then when the angel appears to Our Lady, says the child is going to be named Jesus. Uh, so what is the significance? What what does the prophet mean 
what what do we understand this this name of Emmanuel, and why why is this the the name that the prophet gives uh, to to this particular child? Beautiful. So the Emmanuel means God is with us, and and then Jesus means God saves. And so how beautiful it is that God is God the God who is with us is the God who saves. That that when we hear God is with us, that means we're hearing God, God's becoming man. Like God will enter into our lowly humanity, and that is Emmanuel. God is with us, and then yes, but the name Jesus, particularly that name that God saves, that He comes to bring redemption, to salvation to His people, and and how beautiful it is that when He's among us, He comes to save, save us from our sin. That is the hope of the prophets. Why? Because they know they've been stuck in the sin of Adam and Eve since the very beginning. The people don't have the Holy Spirit, and the prophets recognize that because the prophets do, and so they see that they. Have been set apart because they've been anointed. Um, they've received the gift of the Spirit, and the people have not. And um, and they recognize that they have to be lights of hope in the midst of a people that's lost. And so they're hoping for the Messiah. It's this long for desire of God to come and be with His people. Yeah, He He couldn't be more with us. He shares with <laughs> us in all things but sin. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of the nature of who He is. And it is beautiful as we come to this Christmas season to reflect that, that he comes in a most vulnerable way, mm. just as a little babe um, in a trough, in a manger. And so there is something really beautiful in that. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really, really beautiful. And, and it's not like the people of the Old Testament were unaccustomed to God being with them. The, you know, they have stories of God delivering them in really profound and dramatic ways and parting a Red Sea and, you know, fighting for them and delivering them of their enemies. And so he, he, he has shown that he has been with them, that he is with them. But then this prophecy, God reveals himself to be with them in a really surprising way. I don't think anybody was expecting what Jesus to come in the manner in which he came. And, and maybe the Blessed Virgin Mary did, you know what I mean? She, she probably read this prophecy and understood it better than everyone. But, and then I think that, I think it's also similar for us where, where God promises that he's going to be with us, uh, but then he's with us in really surprising ways. He's not always with us in ways that, that we might want or that we might expect. And we go through our own seasons of, of difficulty, of pain, of suffering, of confusion, of darkness, and, and we want maybe God to deliver us uh, like he delivered the people of the Old Testament in, in really dramatic signs and manners. But but God just says, Emmanuel, I, I'm with you even, even in the midst of all of that. And so I think this prophecy in this season kind of regrounds us back in that, that God wants to be with us and his presence um, can sometimes be surprising in how he's with us. Well, even if we could make a distinction in the Old Testament too, a lot of times it's like a pillar of fire. It's like a booming voice. It's a whisper. Um, it's all these things, but it's almost like the effects that God's working through, like these natural things in a supernatural way. It's a burning bush that that isn't consumed. And, and uh, to your point, I think there's a lot of times we're like, yeah, I want the pillar of fire from heaven, like smite my enemies, Lord. Mm -hmm. But there's something so much more beautiful that it's no longer um, signs of the presence of God, but like God himself comes and he's with us. That it's no longer just like a fire. It's not a a, a, a what is it like a cloud that we follow in the desert but like he himself shows up he's like okay like we're gonna go somewhere together and so you really do have like the gift of god himself and then obviously through the work of redemption it's like mysteriously united we're like god is closer to you than you are to yourself that he shares mm. with you so intimately 
And even when we talk about the prophets, well, yeah, they had a share of the spirit, but I mean, it pales in comparison to the grace that we receive through baptism, that each and every Christian who's been baptized into the death of Christ is greater than all of the prophets of the Old Testament, that the, the grace you receive from Christ makes you glorious in the kingdom of God, that even the Old Testament prophets would be envious of. Mm. Yeah, which is so incredible to think about, that we have so much more. Yeah, We've been given so much more, and, and yet we're not satisfied. Why? Because we look to the world to be our hope. Mm-hmm. We look to the things of this world to be our hope. And as soon as we do that, we lose track of God who shows up and he brings himself and he is love itself. And he comes in humility. He comes like a little baby in a manger. And we, we say, well, we'd rather, right? The Old Testament, we'd rather the fire, we'd rather the right. brother false saying, and, and God, God's and the prophets are like, are you kidding me? Right. Like we would rather baptism. Like we would yeah. rather the gift of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We would rather, um, and God have come. And so the, the hope of the prophets, the fact they were able to stand firm in the midst of not having what we have, should be a a time of reflection for us that say, well, where have, I not, where have I not been satisfied with the great gift of God when I have not been able to simply rejoice in him and his love and his presence? Because it's um, it's so sad that um, we get the 10 talents and we go and we bury him. Yeah. You know, those prophets, they were, they were the one talent. It's not about 10 talents for one talent. You know, they were the one talent people who didn't get much. And yet they used it and doubled it versus us who've been given baptism in the sacraments in the Eucharist. And that it's a call. It's, it's a reminder to us of, of the babe of Bethlehem that he doesn't come in the ways we expect, but it's so much better. Rather the way he wants to come than the way I want him to come. Amen. And so we were kind of, you were, you were talking about Ahaz in the beginning and how he kind of kind of gets it wrong. And so how, how do we not be like Ahaz? Uh, how do we, you know, hope, uh, you know, and, 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 and you're, we're talking right now about like, you know, we, we have been given so much. And so how do we, you know, be the opposite of Ahaz and, and, and foster this hope for, for Christ and, and, and hoping for him and, and being with him this season? I, the first thing I think of is we live the religious vows um, mm. in whatever state of life we're in. Poverty, chastity, and obedience. That there's called to poverty, to let go of all the things mm. that we don't need, especially in this Advent season. We're going to get more stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that we just think about stuff, you know, yeah. stuff that we want, stuff we're going to get for other people. It's just time to say, you know what? No, poverty is actually where I'm going to find that my heart doesn't cling to things. Uh, when we let go and say, I can live with much less. And not just on the stuff, but the poverty of my own spirit, poverty of my heart, that humility, that I'm, I don't want to be like Ahaz in my own pride that I just want to do whatever I want. I want to live in humility. Then chastity, like if your heart's not chaste, you can't live poverty. The heart has to be chaste and open to God and not lusting after other people, mm-hmm. making other people objects, letting yourself become an object, um, lusting everything to this world and obedience, obedience to the will of God in all things. Um, there's this call in our lives to live these beautiful virtues that are obviously manifested most perfectly in Jesus himself that we're called to imitate. And when, if we can do that, we don't become like Ahaz, right? Because Ahaz is the complete opposite of that. He's not, he's rich and he's holding on to his riches. Mm. Um, he's lusting after more power and more wealth. And he is not obedient. God tells him what to do, like ask for a sign. He says, yep. no, because he doesn't want to change. And we have to have the hearts that are willing to change. How are hearts willing to change? Well, they imitate Jesus Christ. It also makes you think too, on the idea of like changing too, that you have to know what your your hope is. Like, what are you hoping in? So there's also, a, 
you, that means you have to be like knowledgeable of what the hope is. And so like, if you don't know like what the promises Christ has given us, mm. if you don't know what to set your, your, your sight on, um, if your aim is off, then you're not going to hit the target or maybe you don't even know there's a target. <laughs> and it's one of those things where you have to know those things. And so I would encourage you during this Advent season too, that'd be a great, I'm sure there's numerous little daily meditations you can pick up. I don't have any off the top of my head, but just something to ground you in those truths that God is promising us, particularly during this season. So that, you know, to, to move into that heart knowledge, but you kind of have to start with like a head knowledge of, of what am I actually expecting? What am I looking for? And then with those things, once you come to like a, a deeper understanding of, of what, what Christ has promised in your own life, then I think it does purify all of the other kind of secondary desires that maybe even be good, but like need to be set aside in the light of this, the, the assurance that Christ wants to give us. Amen. It's uh we live in a fallen world. Uh, we are surrounded by darkness. We have all experienced, you know, evil in, in some form or some degree in some fashion. And, and so for maybe people who are struggling, um, for people who are lonely, people who are depressed, people who are anxious, um, and find it hard to hope, um, that, that hope is a hard thing or, Maybe hope is a scary or a dangerous thing because, uh, you know, it, it, if hope might, the experience might be, I hope and I'm disappointed and I don't want to put my heart out there again and, and suffer disappointment. And, and it doesn't really feel like God has come through for me in the past. I've, I've asked and I prayed for things and my situation didn't change. And so I'm not going to hope. And, you know, the, the, the theologians talk about that hope is a virtue, so it's in the middle of two extremes. And one of those extremes is is despair. Um, and I think despair is is a really, really dark and 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 nasty temptation and experience. And so and so for maybe those people who who might tend towards despair, who who might feel that drawn down into that pit, um, how what would you say to them about trying to foster uh, just hope in the midst of, of darkness. And just, I mean, hope is hard. Hope is hard because hope takes trust and it can be hard to trust, especially when you've been hurt, when you've been broken, uh, it can be hard to, to trust in God because we oftentimes blame God for the hurts and the pains and difficulties of life. So how do we gain trust in God? So we get into hope again. Uh, I guess first thing that comes to mind is uh, look at the past. And and ask for that. Oftentimes, we're blind to our own past. Mm. Um, we were praying for something, and we're like, "Why wasn't God there?" Like we were uh, talking about someone the other day, and they they were like, "Why wasn't God there? Why wasn't God there?" God, I wanted God to take away my depression. He didn't. And, well, but you can kill yourself. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, and I just like at the same time, like you you were expecting God to like change feelings, but God preserved you through a really difficult time in your life. Yeah. And sometimes we have to change our perspective about we 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 ask God to do something, and we want it this way, and God was answering the prayers. But he's answering in his way and how he wanted. And so to look back at our past and say, okay, where's my trust been broken with God? Um, and how maybe do I need to look at this from a new lens, a new light, and say, God, I'm blind to this so that I can see God working. And then look at your past well to see all those times God did show up and God did uh, come through and, and point at those moments in your life and remember those and say, okay, no, there have been opportunities where, 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 where for God to show and manifest himself, and he did. And to build up that trust again with God. So we say, no, God has been faithful the entire time. Well, not has been how I expected, how I wanted, but he's always been faithful. The scriptures promise it. And so 
that, that can build up our trust again. So we begin to say, no, I can trust him even as we go into the future. I can't have hope. I would say turn to Our Lady. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you feel like you've been burned too or whatever it is, that, that to look to her and she'll teach you to hope. And I'm even just thinking of, even like to meditate on her own story, that she's, she's pregnant. She's in Bethlehem. They can't find a place to like have the Messiah. They end up having to be in basically a cave. I can't imagine like that. That's definitely not the most dignified place to give birth to a baby, let alone like the savior of the universe. <laughs> and then to even have to lay him in like a manger in a trough that you would feed animals with. Like, so there's all these ways in which like there's even hardship in that. And then even like after the birth of Christ, that she has to flee to Egypt because all of a sudden the one who's supposed to be the savior, it's like, well, he might get killed by Herod. And so, but like our lady, even then like trusts in this little babe to that. I, I do trust in these promises even. And so we can look to that too, that, that we can turn to our lady uh, who perfectly trusted in Christ, even when he was totally vulnerable, totally dependent upon our lady, uh, that she can teach us uh, to have that type of trust in Christ, in God. And, and that she's, she's a person. She'll be with you in a real way. She is your mother. She wants nothing but the best for you. And so you can really turn to her and be like, Mom, I've been burned a few times. And these, this, that, and the other thing has happened in my life. But she'll get you through it. And I also love the idea, too. I like meditating upon, too, like the Annunciation, that like, like the Our Lady will prepare your heart to receive the Christ child. Mm. That she'll, she'll make your heart into a beautiful home. And in those places where you're hurt or maybe you don't trust, Our Lady will, will clean out the cobwebs. She'll make it beautiful. And she's always waiting for the opportunity to bring her son into it. And she does not fail. She will do it. Yeah. You just have to turn to her. Amen. I think of just the word of, of, the, of the prophecy, uh, Emmanuel. Um, God is with us. And I know in my own moments of confusion and darkness and despair and and I'm praying for God to to change a situation to 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 fix something and and 10 times out of 10 God just brings me back to him and and it does sound a little cliche but but then in those moments I realize oh that 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 God really is enough um that 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 having Jesus really is enough, and you know, no matter my circumstance, no matter my situation, no matter what I'm going through, that that if I have God and that God is with me, then then it's okay, then I'm okay. And so, I would just say to those maybe who are, are struggling with despair that that no matter what you're going through, that that God really is enough, and that He is with you. Well. I just want to add one one last thing is that obviously we've really been talking about the birth of Christ, but Advent is the coming of the Lord. And so we, we, we remember, we call to mind his birth, but it's also the time where we also say Maranatha, that the Lord will come again in glory. Um, That he promises that he'll, he'll come, he'll establish his eternal kingdom. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And so this is also the time as Christians, we, we also prepare ourselves for the Lord to come again in glory not as the babe, but as a king of glory, arrayed in splendor, uh, as kind of the, the, the judge of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, for those who have been faithful as, as their vindicator, as their savior, as the one who will wipe away every tear. And so we do say Maranatha during the season. Amen. Well, 
on that good word about the end of all things, we've come to the end of this podcast. Yeah. And we are now at that time where we have our question and we are having a coffee with some some figures. And I don't know whose turn it is. I think I went last. I think I... I've gotten three guests in. Do you I have two or, two or three? No, you have three because you did... Um, it was a surprise. Who, we did the good thief. Was your you have Benedict, that's right, that's right. And then, and uh, Dismas. Bishop Olmstead and, and Dismas. Dismas. Yeah. So I guess it's I think it was me. Mm-hmm. Um, so who have you invited? Well, for Adam coffee? is there. Okay. I'm learning all about the first the man of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John's there. So I'm learning all about the crucifixion and Our Lady. And now um, I'm two people choose, who are alive. Two people who one are you alive, know and one you don't. Which is one who I know. And uh, luckily, Bishop Olmstead's off the table because he was definitely on my on my list. And so, but he, I think, I, I still think I'm going to go. This is my number one, even if Bishop Olmstead was on the list. Okay, Sister Martha Carpenter. Yes, I think let's go. She is. I mean, she's extremely fascinating. I've heard her and well, Deacon Jim Trant also extremely fascinating. Mm-hmm. But yep. his fascinating story is like before his conversion, mm-hmm. like his time with the military and the government, etc. But her, hers, like on the res. Like, yeah. It's funny because I could do this anytime, and I have. <laughs> it's just like I love it so much. I get to keep doing it because she's been faithfully working with Native peoples yeah. for over forty years, mm-hmm. and she's been principal um, of St. Peter's for most of that time. And she has uh, just so many beautiful, beautiful stories, and really hard stories too, yeah. difficult stories about life with the people and what's been going on. And she is. Uh, an example and a witness to me, someone who I've learned a lot from and would love to continue to learn a lot from. So we, I think everybody get a little taste of her at last fire queue, mm-hmm. uh, her, her sparky personality. Um, and, uh, and just been a privilege and an honor to work with her. And yeah, I would, I would just pastor, but, but I would just be like, I, I would, I would go deep, like with all the mm-hmm. questions, like, tell me all the things, like yeah. anything and everything. And, it, and she would have perfect recall to of all the stories. Cause there's probably been so many things that have happened. Right. Like she kept, probably remember it all, but it's like, she has all the recall of all the kids and all the stories. And we would yeah. just enjoy ourselves a nice coffee and crumpet. And, uh. That would be, there'd be a lot of laughter. Yeah. There'd be, be a lot, a lot of, of joy in that conversation yeah. for sure. We talk about spiritual motherhood, the mm-hmm. other promises to children. And she, yeah. she's kind of the mother of the res over at St. Peter's yeah. over there. And she is an embodiment of hope. Yes. Yeah. She's an yes. embodiment hope. of hope. So I don't think I've ever seen her like despair about anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And there's been definitely moments where I'm like, well, maybe we should be a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> she is just, uh, She's someone who who lives hope in a very beautiful way, and we're so grateful to know her and, and work alongside her. So thanks be to God for that. Uh, it's a great answer, Father Anthony. And, and Brother Paul, would you please wrap us up with a prayer? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, we humbly ask that you would prepare our hearts this Advent season for the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ, that you would teach us uh, to, to be ho- Christians who hope in what has been promised and that in all of our struggles and hardships that you be with us and that be with us and every one of our family members as we await with the assurance of hope that Jesus will come again in glory to save us from death. We ask this all in Jesus' name and we turn to Our Lady as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, in the name of the hour of our death. Amen. Blessing, Father. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks Thanks be to God. Amen. Happy Advent, everybody. Maranatha. Happy Advent. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online 
at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.